With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson, and two very special guests. It's Mike Renner and Austin Gale, a reunion of sorts right here from the Western Southern Studio. Tailgate Podcast, back in the house. We're back. We're back. We're announcing that we're back. That's the whole, that's what the, <laughs> that's what the title says. No everything. announcement. All right, you've already lied to everyone. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. That's Sweet. a good start. Good start. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, breaking news per Twitter last night. Mike Renner leaving PFF, heading to free agency. So that's Last you. day. I think it was 11 years. 11, almost 11 years. So I think I started like my very first, like Cal had sent me an email saying I got the gig or whatever. It was probably like June of 2012, right after college. So almost 11 years. Wow. We've been your only job since, uh, since college. Yeah. Only job. Do and you, I, do you know what the real world's like, Mike? Do you know what fucked. you're I'm telling you right now? <laughs> he's, he's about to find out. No, I, PFF was my only job out of college. Yeah. The ringers treat me well, though. And LA is nice. I'm, I'm, I'm liking California. Yeah. So I mean, it can't be worse than like. Are you recruiting to the ringer? I, I can't disclose anything mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Uh, on the open mic. The real world can't be worse than 2012 to 2014 PFF, though, if we're being real. Hell month? Those were, yeah. I mean, that, that was like. I I've had heard days. the war stories. I, I, so I think it was 2014 was when we were really that the was most swamped. Yeah. And I was also doing like special teams PP, which I think is the worst job we have at PFF. It's just charting where is, everybody lined up. But on special teams. On place. special teams. Yeah. So that, that one, I would, and I made the mistake of being the one who could do it the fastest. <laughs> so, of course, <laughs> Neil gave me the most games. Yeah. And so there would be days from like Sunday, I remember, Sunday when the game started, to you know Tuesday morning where I didn't sleep that whole stretch because I just got a deadline every single you know every six hours I yeah think. that so. that stretch was like you didn't you didn't sleep Sunday nights generally mm-hmm. you know there was a run there where so Chris comes in buys PFF 2014 and you know Chris comes in investment resources want to take the thing somewhere different the first, one of the first questions he asks is what does it take to get college football done as well as the NFL and Neil being Neil is like Nothing. We can do that. Our guys can do that. No problem. So the first year, we didn't hire anybody else. We just did college football in addition to the NFL. 
and whatever deadline that we needed to get the games wrapped by the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Before, so we could show it to the people by the combine, which meant that we were falling further and further behind. By, by January 1st. Yeah. We were halfway through the right. college season. So we were falling further and further behind during the NFL season because the NFL took precedent. We already had orders, you know, deadlines, actual customers we needed to meet. So the college was just falling behind, which meant once this, we got to the playoffs, it was like, right, now you need to redouble your effort and catch back up in college. So January 2020, uh, 2015, right, yes. would have been was hell month where everybody that could do analysis – was just grinding by seven days a week doing college football games to catch up. It was awful. I, I, I appreciate a, the initiative from Neil right there. Dude, Chris buys the company. He's like, you need college? I'll fucking do it. And then everyone else does it. But it's a great – I like the I like the no, push. Yeah, I like the push. It, we, were, we were challenged just getting NFL done on a week with our 8 to 10 analysts. And it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, of course we could, we could just do college. Yeah. Well, January 2015, I did not leave my house. I, I, I remember going to – like a christening or something. And I was like, oh, no, I gotta, I gotta like make up a game and a half here because I left my house. It was so crazy. I mean, it, this was yeah. seven days a week. You had to crank out, a, every game took seven or eight hours. You had to crank out a game and a half a day basically to keep pace yeah. for 31 days. Right. And that was the thing. One day I didn't get a game in because it was, I was doing Baylor TCU that year. And that was back when Baylor had Bryles, Art Bryles. And so they would run 100 plays a game. And yeah. that was like, a, that was the most plays in a game all year. It was like 245 plays in a game. Most games like 150. And I didn't get it done that day. And I get a message from Cal being like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why haven't you gotten a game done? And I was like, well, you know. I, that, so going to the Dropbox built. file and seeing how many plays were in your half or your game was massive. Because if it was like yeah. 65, 70, it was like, oh, let's but, fuck yeah, yeah, let's go. Go. <laughs> also, Depending on what you're doing, the type of game was important as well. So like 100, you know, like 100 plus plays of a spread offense wasn't that bad because of the way the pass versus the run game worked. Mm -hmm. But if you had a triple option game that was even if it was like, you know, 65, it's like, this is hell. This is an absolute walking nightmare to, to grade this one. I give me that one dramatically over that. The other thing is when we got to the end of that month, like one of the last games, because like tape didn't come in or it came in in patches or whatever, I think maybe the very last game we were working on it up until a couple of hours before the Super Bowl was Middle Tennessee State against Eastern Michigan. And the tape had come in like three or four times in different ways. And we, everyone was sort of splitting this game, working on it in little uh, bits and pieces. It was it was terrible. That was that, that was one of the worst months anybody's so ever had. So PFF had. just sucks? Or I mean, was this the banging or what were we doing? <laughs> this, was, this was uh, when PFF was in startup mode, people had to, to work hard and yeah. kind of, you know, lay, you know lay, the, lay the groundwork, lay the foundation for uh, for where we are. Share experiences. That's what it is. Yeah. Camaraderie. Yes. Now, so you guys, um, it was exciting. So you're in town, Austin. Yeah. Why are you in town? Quinn's wedding. Mike Quinn, who's a producer here at PFF, also was the producer of Mike Tailgate. Yeah. Tailgate and 2 for 1 Draft. He's been there guess. from the jump. Uh, mm -hmm. So his, his wedding... Sobchak's going, who's producing this show as well. So he invited me out. I had good reason to get into Cincy. And then coincidentally, it's Mike's last day. So then I got invited onto this show and the rest is history. So we hyped it up as the greatest show in the history of shows. <laughs> Not even podcast. It was just the biggest, it's the biggest thing going. Because um, you guys, you guys created a bit of a following, right? The last couple of years. I tried to. Uh, I mean, Tailgate was unique in the draft space in that I feel like a lot of draft content is overly serious in nature that it's like dramatic and they tried to like build the drama, whereas we were never serious about it. Like we, we enjoyed the fun of the draft process more so than the uh, overly, overtly uh, 
Speaking of, just, uh, yeah, speaking you know, of the fun aspect of it, I, I have a theory that I've been working on that I'm, I'm going to put to you right now. Mm -hmm. are, are, is your Tanner McKee love mm. uh, an attempt to artificially inflate his mojo stock because you have money tied up? <laughs> no. That's our theory. That is I our know theory. It's, it's not actually. Theory. Now, it's not I a am bad a, theory. I am a are you sure? Because now, who have so, you done that with? So I did go <laughs> and Google Mike Renner and uh, Tanner McKee and mojo, and I did find a tweet back in the day where you're like, this guy's going to go way higher. His mojo stock yeah. is currently whatever it is. Did you like sink five grand into it back in the day? And like, I, I got to get this back. I don't yeah. hate this. I'm a mock draft influencer. I've said that before. Uh, Steve <laughs> saw the, Steve was in that, what was that, that Twitter group? Or you were in it too, the Twitter group that yeah. Lance, you know, I put together that had a lot of draft people. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, hey, let's just get together <laughs> with one player. We move the just line, move, move yeah. the line on them about where they're supposed to be going all spring. Yeah. Once the prop comes out, we all bet the other side, <laughs> and then we all move him to where he's supposed to be, guys. Come I mean, so, I think some Come people on. are doing Absolutely that in the NFL side. Come on, dude. Like, well, yeah. It's one guy every year. Why can't uh, we just CJ Stroud vaults up to like minus 290 to be the Panthers' number one overall pick, and then like yeah. everyone just bets Bryce Young heavy before Scott Federer meets him or whatever it was. Like That's a, that's a big the thing. The mock draft syndicate. But no, unfortunately, no takers. There was maybe one person like that message. Uh, so <laughs> still me here. Still me here trying to pump that up. <laughs> so did. we could... We could still get together and do that wherever yeah. you end yeah. up, yeah. Mike. We can yeah. still get together and, uh, you know. Diversify. Yes. Um, Kenny Glenn is in the chat here, designer over at PFF, and he's begging for some Austin Gale stories. Do you have any good recent stories? Are you just like, are you straight I'm edge out there in L.A. now? I'm in right now. I'm not going to. No, I don't, I'm trying to think of some Bill's stories. Bill's got you working overtime or what? I'm always working OT. Uh, I'm trying to think of some, some stories I've got. Uh, nothing really from LA. Living in a studio is, apartment now is, in is LA. Is there a story behind the the four photos that you put out there yesterday? Oh, or at least uh, at least one of them. Yeah, yeah. That the photos I put out yesterday of Mike was from mm. our trip to Vegas. Mike, mm. some of them. wasn't even inebriated. Was, I believe it was a hangover was that had got him. That was a little. Um, what happens in Vegas ends up on Twitter. And then what happens in say. Vegas ends up on Twitter. Mm. I, I did want to bring one story because we were talking before we started recording about some of the worst things I did while I was here. And I, obviously there's a long list, but sure. one of the worst things I definitely did was when I got to the role of where I was responsible for booking all the like hotels and planes and shit for yeah, the events. That was the worst thing. The East West Shrine Bowl, when we sent out a bunch of people, I, let this be known. I got the fucking narrative to be like, cut every dollar. If you, if you can, everyone sits in a middle seat, it works. Red eyes, all that stuff. So this isn't all my doing, but it was to save as much as possible. Now, with that being said, we go to Vegas. I'm looking for the cheap hotel in Vegas. Right? Yeah. I'm looking for legitimately, like, I don't care if it's not even in Nevada. Like, I'm mm -hmm. looking for something that's very cheap. I end up finding the Mardi Gras Inn <laughs> as the cheapest thing on Hotels.com or whatever it was. And, okay, he gets the cheapest hotel. Everyone gets their own room, right? No, I'm booking fucking four people to a room yeah. at the Mardi Gras Inn Hotel. We get in, and it's it smells like one cigarette, like one big <laughs> cigarette. on like the, the like It's not on the strip. I don't know where it is. I don't even know if it was in Vegas. We get in there. It looks scary. Everyone's scared. Everyone's sleeping in two queen beds back to back <laughs> one of the producers or one of the video editors we had here before was like i'm not sleeping here like, legitimately like refusing yeah. to sleep there it was like he's like i'm going to another hotel and then the worst part of it all and there's some stories of getting into that hotel i did some pass protection sets with anthony trash put him in the dirt but <laughs> some other things that <laughs> happened is later in the week we were going back to back from like mardi gras in to fucking we went to mobile and mm -hmm. saved the worst hotel in mobile somehow found that too 
if you go back and look at the Excalibur, which is where the East-West Shrine Bowl was held, it was like $5 more a night. It was like so much. <laughs> yeah. I, sh- See, I could have looked at an extra yeah. second. That and is it the been, thing. Yeah. Like, that, that's, I think, the theme with your your mistaken bookings, right? Is you would simply look at the lowest number available. Book and just back, take it. And then not factor in any other like Costs. relevant Data details. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. So you would book stuff that was miles away. So it's $5 a night cheaper, but you need to Uber half an hour to the venue, which is making it like the fifth most expensive hotel you could have Ball. You should have seen the fucking hotel we stayed in Tennessee when I was booking us for the yeah, tailgate trip. Me, was, Mike, and Dave Sofaro go to this random hotel in Knoxville, Tennessee, where like it is sketch. It had, so, co- it had cobwebs in the hotel. It was cobwebs like, in the hotel. How the shower miss, was how a scene. We couldn't shower because it looked like a mud pit. And <laughs> we. The door barely locked, whatever it was. We literally grabbed our backpacks and stuffed, and stuffed them behind the, the TV, the, trying to, like, just say, right. we were scared to leave the place. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I'll never do it again. I do not want to book it ever again, but uh, those those were some of my worst moments. Two of my favorite Austin Gale stories. One was at the first time ever at the Senior Bowl. The first night. Oh, no. This is a stayed top. out till like, 5 a.m. and then woke up at 11.30 or something the next day with, I think, 20 missed calls from Neil Hornsby <laughs> because you were supposed to have done, like, a day a one recap yeah. and takeaways thing. That one was rough. great. That was the one of the worst hangovers I've ever had. And the other one was when we went to LSU. Uh, I find you and Dave Safaro at a Five Guys after we had left a bar that we were at. You had eaten Five Guys. We leave the Five Guys. We're like, let's go back to the hotel. It was getting late. We get back to the hotel, and there's a Waffle House next to the hotel. You guys say, let's go to the Waffle House, too. And you went to the Waffle House, had a full <laughs> plate of hash browns, and ordered two milks. <laughs> two glasses of, two milk. glasses of milk. <laughs> when I tell you my breath the next morning legitimately was yogurt. It was like the worst, <laughs> the worst breath I've ever had the next day. I could barely open my mouth. It was like string. It was rough. Every, everybody has those stories of you look at your phone, there's 20 missed calls from Neil. Yeah. But Renner mm-hmm. is one of the few people that's actually been fired by Neil. By the mm-hmm. way, be, care- be careful. Hold on really quick, Sam. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, special guests in the chat, not only Dr. Eric Eager, but also Neil. Uh-huh. Neil's Neil in the chat. Neil is in the chat. Neil Neil is the chat. In the chat. So give be us careful. the fire story. Before Here's we get fire. into the, yeah, because I had the over on Renner getting fired one and a half times. I had him yeah. getting fired twice. One more time. He's only been fired once, only and once. now he is left on his own volition. And, and beautifully, it didn't count. Yeah. He's the only person that got fired, and it just didn't it didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't take. HR just said nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, before you go, someone in the chat, his name's Parker, bless his heart. He's like, what is going on? Because <laughs> we're just ripping random stories. Yeah. But go ahead, rip if it. If you are not telling us, this is the show today. <laughs> we will later in this, in this show Football. get to MJD's mock draft. Someday. But for the moment, it's a bit of reminiscing. So it was Memorial Day 2016, or Memorial Day weekend 2016, which is nothing's going on in the NFL, right? And so... We had, I was kind of splitting at that point between still doing grading and being content uh, full-time and like just doing that, focusing on that. And so I'm writing like four or five articles a week. I'm doing, uh, Neil had asked me also to start doing some stuff in terms of like, uh, I think it was like uh, game planning or like creating like charts. This is before Ultimate even existed, like creating like ways to use our data with Visual Basic. Um, and so I'm doing that and the, in the four or five articles a week. And Khaled has said to everyone that was a grader also to do five games a week of just like practice or whatever. We were doing old seasons. 2000, 2006, maybe. Seven okay. or six. Yeah, one right. of those. Six grading. We're yeah. doing, supposed to be doing. Oh, six that year, I believe. Everyone else. But like, those are people who are just grading. I thought we're doing the five games a week. And, and so it comes to, this was on a, uh, on, a, on, a, on a Thursday. Neil says to me, 
it, it kind of comes to a head and Neil's like, you haven't been doing your games. Cal said, you haven't been doing your games. Why is that? I'm like, well, you have this, gave me this. Editorial's giving me this. I didn't realize I was doing what everyone else is doing. He's like, okay, understandable. Just get your games done this week and you're good. I, and it was a Thursday and I'm like, <laughs> tomorrow can I work from home? Cause it's easier to do games at home. Unbeknownst to him, I was going to Las Vegas at like a 1 p.m. flight <laughs> and it was going to help me to be at home the next day because he was forcing everyone to be in the office at that point. Like he was like, everyone has to come to the office every day. The good old days. And he's like, sure. If that like helps, sure. I get a game done on Thursday. I get a game done on Friday. I think I'm in the clear because obviously five games in a week, I have two days to do it. Two games is good, right? No, according to Neil, I was supposed to get all five games done by Friday at the end. He calls me up. I'm literally, they had boarded the plane. They're boarding the plane. I'm in line to board the plane. Neil calls me up. He's like, did you get your games done? I was like, yeah, I got them. And he said, Cal said you only did two games. And I was like, well, yeah. Uh, he's like, I thought it was only going to be two games. And he's like, you have to do five like everyone else. And I'm like, I'm not going to do five. And he's like, where are you right now? This is the first like question he asked. I'm like, how the hell do you like fucking know? But I probably can hear them. He's got your location on. And I was like, I'm driving. Um, I think I said I'm driving my, Stop. my parents. For years, I thought you were driving. Yeah. yeah I thought I you were driving, driving my parents. I didn't know you were flying. Mm. Yeah. Driving my parents. And I'm just like, I'm not going to tell them how to fly to Vegas. <laughs> no. And he's like, get your fucking ass back to the office right now. And I'm like, or you won't have, and he's like, or you won't have a job on Monday. And I'm like, well, Vegas doesn't wait back. for anybody. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not coming back. I get on that plane. I start typing up a message to HR. And then, <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't exist at the time. Yeah, well, we had an HR person. Mark Mitchell. Uh, no, it was, no, uh, it was Kurt. Oh, uh, okay. No, no. Uh, what's her face? Mm, oh, Lee. Yeah. Lee. Yeah. Lee was our oh, HR person. Gotcha. Yeah. Lee. Who then? She got fired. Well, I, have, I wanted to tell Neil's story about um, the Parker purchase. The big screen. <laughs> yes. I feel like that story is pretty good. It's right there. I think that's Look. fair. I think that's Harder fair. Is. Yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah. yeah. So there's Harder. that big, massive TV. You guys can't see it on YouTube, but it's like an 80 inch. No, that's like 140 inch, whatever the hell big that thing it's is. Big, like big touchscreen Microsoft Surface thing. Yeah. And this was in startup mode. Everyone's grinding six games a night. You Mardi Gras in, don't even have snacks in the office. Coffee's not free. It is like a fucking grind. Like every dollar is counted. And we, for whatever reason, get free tickets to the baseball game, the Reds game. And we get like these nice tickets and the whole office gets to go. The boys are buzzing. There's free food, drinks. It's one of the best experiences we've got. Neil is buzzing at this thing. And there's already been conversation around getting the Microsoft Surface that's in the market of like $10,000, which everyone who's working is like, we can't do that. I just paid $20 for coffee in the office and the fees. Like, <laughs> we can't do that. All this is happening. Reds are taking an L. Uh, I come back to the office after, because I'm still on my grind set, and Neil is back there with Mark Mitchell, who is our uh, accounting guy at the time. I don't know what he was, whatever he was. Mark Mitchell is the accounting guy who looks at the numbers, and Neil comes back. The boys are buzzing, okay? I think Neil had a couple Millers, which is fine. And then he comes back and he's like, hey, let's buy the Microsoft Surface. And then Mark Mitchell's like, what? It's <laughs> like, well, let's buy the Microsoft Surface. It's like, let's just get it right now. Let's order it. And he's like, do we have a credit card that gets to that? And he's like, just put it on it. And then we buy the Microsoft Surface and now we've had it ever since. It was a drunken purchase. And it, no, <laughs> the best thing is, so it's, it's utterly useless. And <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Within... Within days, two or three days. Oh yes, you're right. It was the the, the Surface 2.0 yes. was announced. It was obsolete. <laughs> like two days after we purchased it, there must have been some guy in the Microsoft office in like where Dude, Eastgate celebrating. or whatever it was. Yeah, like <laughs> I got rid of this 25 grand piece of crap uh, two days oh, after 
it was, or two days before it was worthless. We couldn't log into it for the first month. Yeah. Most expensive drunk purchase I've ever witnessed live. Oh. And with an accounting person as a second like kind of hand. Yes, amazing. That in our wild. old studio. So it was, that was like the background in the old studio. We were always trying to figure out ways to use it. Like, can we make this interactive? Can we make it a touchscreen? And we every time we tried, it was like, no, there's just not as useful as we yeah. thought. So it became basically our background. Like, so here's our logo. Tyler uh, brought up one story that you should tell is the time where you snuck yourself to the combine so that Neil didn't know you were there. Oh, yeah, me. And then sat there in the lobby yeah, when he yeah, walked yeah, by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that first year, I wasn't allowed in on the combine. Yeah. And that was when I was still doing like the daily revenue numbers for our subscription business and all of that stuff. And Neil was like pretty much like, dude, if we don't make it, you know, to our certain goal or whatever it was, like, you're not going fucking anywhere. Right. Like, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah, I, I'm the one on my back. I got, it's all me. Anyway, um, what ends up happening is I go anyway, mm -hmm. and I don't even stay with you guys. Right. I have a buddy who lives you, in India, yeah. and I'm like, dude, I'm just going to stay. You do the in smart it. thing. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go. He won't know. I'll stay somewhere exactly. else. He'll never see. Yes. And then what did you do? I walked into the lobby where all you guys were because yeah. I was getting kind of bored, and I wanted to see you guys. And then Mike, literally Neil looks me dead in the face. He's like, did we hit our goal? And I'm like, uh, uh, he's like, did we hit our goal? I'm like freaking out. I was like, the problem was, is I, did, I knew we didn't. You know, like, I, could, I could have said like, oh, you know, we didn't. I was just like, oh, I don't know yet. I'll have to check. And he's like, he was steaming, dude. <laughs> Absolutely steaming. I, I'm surprised I survived that night, yeah. honestly. He's got a temper, man. That guy gets hot fast. <laughs> yes, everyone's got, everyone's got a Neil temper story. Say something nice about Neil, so we have like a compliment sandwich okay. or something yeah. like that. He founded, he founded the company. Founded the company. He's the reason we all had here. some yeah. ups and downs, and he's the know, reason we all we're had, all here. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. the reason yeah. we're all thing. here. I mean, we all got to work in football. I mean, look, I, some people are wondering why we have some people leaving, and I think there's there's various reasons or whatever. But you know, Austin, you, this, you know, this became a bit of a stepping stone for you. Oh, Mike, for sure. I think you're gonna go, you know, crush it wherever you go. Do what, do whatever you do. Uh, Dr. Eager in the chat is, is, has used us as a stepping stone to go to something else. So mm -hmm. I think that's just where we are maybe as the, uh, the lifespan here of, uh, of PFF. At the yeah, I mean, I'll say this about Neil. You don't do what he did if you're not a little crazy, right? Like yes. you, you, can't, you can't build a football company from England. As an a American hobby. Football company. It started as, as a hobby. As a like, hobby. It's, it's, uh, people, I don't know that, I don't know how much people know about it, but like he bankrolled the thing by himself yeah. as a hobby for the first while, right? Dude. And then it became, it started to generate some revenue, but like the initial run was all him bankrolling this thing mm -hmm. out of his own pocket to keep guys like me and Ben Stockwell, like the original group mm -hmm. doing games as opposed to like going away and you know earning money doing a job. Like he kept this thing alive until it started to make some money. And then until, you know, Chris comes in and buys the company, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. And you don't do it, he did unless you're a little crazy and also unless you care. Like he cared yeah. about this, about us more than anyone I've ever met at PFF. Always kept his hands in the mud too. He was taping games, which is like one of the low level things you can do. And like, you're like a part-time intern or right. whatever. And like, he was always doing that. So yeah, he's a fucking grinder. The one thing I just want to add about that because most people don't get to see this side of it, right? We are working, People know like, we're working with every NFL team, all 32. We're at 131 now out of 133. Who's the, the last FBS two? Level. We can't mention who. Can't, the last can't mention two the last two. Not until no, like the. That's brutal. We had, Did we get San Diego State? We'll it's mention in, all the 131. <laughs> yes. Did we get San Diego State? They are one of them. Yeah. Let's go. So Let's there's go. two Let's left. Go. There's two left. Our we'll have every FBS team. We're all, we're at about 45 FCS teams that all get our entire data package and everything. And so you know. PFF has legitimately changed the game on that on that end, right? And people don't get to always 
see that. So I just wanted to plug that really quickly. Like we get, you know, constant feedback. We have a team that's going out there helping every single team integrate our stuff into their workflow. And it's, you know, PFF data and everything has, you know, changed the game with how they prepare, how they scout and everything they do. What's your uh, sort of favorite takeaway, Mike? Because you, you came into PFF at an interesting time, which is, you know, after that first group had been around for a while, mm -hmm. we reached this point where we started to have revenue, started to bring in more people, started to hire. You were what, a couple of years after the Steve, Rick group yes, of people. two years, I believe. And then you were like the sort of second wave of guys that got hired. But it was early enough in the process that you still had to do the sort of traditional PFF route of grind through PP, become analysis, mm -hmm. you know, work your way up that way, and then went to whatever path you went on. So what's, like, what are the things that stand out from like where you started to, to how things are now, like the landscape? I mean, it, analytics didn't exist back then. It's crazy to like think about, but it, it didn't, right? You know, EPA, you know, any advanced stat, they didn't exist. Like this, it started with PFF. If you hear anything basically outside of, you know, your normal counting box score stats that you get, like that was us is I think the biggest thing. And now it's just become part of the lexicon is that that's, you know, people are talking about running backs the way we talked about running backs five years ago now. You know, people are talking about the things we've been saying for, uh, you know, Steve's study about tackles, left tackle versus right tackle. Like those things have just become a part of, are so normalized now that it, it's been so cool to see that we had, we fought so hard for those early on. And now it's just like, if you're not, if people push back more on the people who don't talk the way we talk than the people who talk like traditional football guys. After we did that grind, 2014, got the whole first year done, we actually had draft content into, for the 2015 NFL draft. And that was, uh, it was, a, it was a cool time, right? We have grades, we have these d different things. But you mentioned now you get to be a, a mock draft influencer, right? Now we have this draft board, mock drafts, and the whole thing where, you know, we're a part of the conversation where early PFF, it was like, hey, guys, hey, guys, look at us. We're looking at the game a little bit different. We're trying to do some new what, stuff. What do you remember about that first year? Because we were talking about it a little bit yesterday. We had all this data and we had no idea what any of it meant. Right. So you had to kind of basically put a, a stick in the ground and say, this is how we're going to treat this year one. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to assume that PFF grades is really important. You're missing a whole bunch of players that were amazing guys in college just because they didn't run, you know, an X40. And now it turns out that actually you know, it's a bunch of stuff that the NFL was doing that kind of matters quite a lot. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we had some very obvious misses year one. But then we had some hits that were just, you know, that, that just don't happen every year, whether it was Grady Jarrett, whether it was, um, what's his face? Trey Flowers. Flowers. Trey Flowers yeah. that are just like massive wins. That, that's a fourth and a fifth rounder that if you can identify those guys every year, you're an awesome franchise, you know. So I, I do think – I think we've influenced the NFL decision-making to a degree also with obviously with ultimate and like their ability to see that. But I think it's, we, the NFL and us have kind of come, con, are converging to a degree in the way we view draft prospects. What was your take? Cause you, you came in later, you didn't have to go like the data grind mm -hmm. route as much. What's your sort of view on the whole thing? The view on PFF's presence well, like, in the NFL? You know, what's, yeah, like the standout kind of differences between now and when you first showed up here. Yeah, I started as a part-time data collector in 2016, <clears throat> my like last year at San Diego State, and I did special teams PP on Tuesday mornings at like 4 a.m. or whatever it was, and then I got a full-time offer after the first, that first year of doing it, so I wasn't in there for a while. I think that 
what I do feel has changed from like a media perspective, I don't know how much like the NFL has obviously adopted analytics more and more and more. And that's been a slow grind, but even with like how media is discussing NFL prospects in the draft, but also like just NFL in general, fourth down, you know, going forward on fourth down and all that stuff has definitely changed. I think PFF was a first mover on a lot of that stuff in terms of like pushing that initial rock or getting that snowball rolling. And now it's like moving so fast that it's almost like nerdy to even bring it up. It's like, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. Like people like overcorrecting and stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's, um, I think it's a big, like the snowball is now moving. And I think people are trying to figure out what the hell to do with it now. Any other stories or anything we want to connect with? Or are we going we uh, to talk a little bit about this year's draft at some point? <laughs> I will say the other weird thing from PFF beginning till now was everyone was remote back then. Like yeah. 2012, yeah to 2015 so i started what june 2012 till it was april 2015 i had not met a single person from pff in person that first that combine uh, yeah there was a combine where everyone sort of met each other for the first time like in person where we'd all yeah the whole company was remote because obviously neil and a bunch of us were in the uk the the guys that we brought on you, you 2013 was yeah. the first combine we all Right, so there was a combine where a bunch of people actually went for the first time. I think they'd done one before that where it was like Neil and somebody else. I went to the previous one with me, Neil, and Brian Hall. But the next one was a few more people, which is where everyone sort of met for the first time, which was weird, bizarre. Like that that first year, in my brain, people got – because that was the first time anyone had seen your ridiculous freakish size for the first time, right? And in my mind – Yeah. In my mind – I am. Everybody got lumped into two categories. Steve Height – and not Steve Height. And it turned out the next year, like subsequently when I met people again, I, the, not Steve's height was a wild range of like your size to six foot three people. Mm. We're all in the non-Steve Height category. The Steve Height tier has to be like, <laughs> what, you? I don't know who else is in there. No, it was just him. It was yeah, like yeah, Steve yeah, Height yeah. and then everyone else. Who's the random media guy you always pointed out that's There is, yeah, there's that sense. one guy. I haven't seen him for a while though. I, I do miss it when the, the, the guy. You've outlasted him. The Thank peaks you. of the office experience at PFF where there were a lot of just incredible culture moments. But when we used to go to the uh, the Y and play basketball. Cincy Y, yeah. Go to the Cincy Y and do some one on ones. I miss dude. those games. George Chahuri like punting a ball yeah. over to the window because <laughs> we lost like a game against a random I miss those games a lot that's also I've that's the first time since like you know small single digit child mm-hmm. like period where I have been the worst person oh, yeah, in the room awful. by a mile because yeah. it was literally the first time I'd ever played basketball picked up way. a ball yeah and so I for however long we were playing, like what, six months or yeah, whatever, yeah. I had to grind through from being the worst person in the room by a distance to just getting passable. Like, oh, for sure. just don't stand out as the worst person here. The worst thing was. Active on D, though. Like, oh, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you yeah. gotta, you gotta bring hustle if you're bringing nothing else to the table. <laughs> but the worst things were like, you're playing offense, right? You've got, you're in space, you have an open shot, somebody has the ball, looks your way, sees it's you, and, and goes like, somewhere no. else. <laughs> and the thing is, you're like, yeah, it's right. That's no, the that's correct fair. decision. Yeah. You can't even argue with it. I'm like, <laughs> I've been in games where I've seen that person. I've never been that person yeah. before, and it sucked. I started hitting some shots at the end. Yeah, so that since Y went from like, hey, let's go get in shape, run around, break a sweat, to like people well, being Neil's like, oh, a I was one three today. Guy. This is terrible. Neil's like a big gym rat. Yeah. And he, there was a moment where he was like incentivizing everyone to go at lunch, and everyone would fucking want. Yeah, we'd clear out the office, go play, and have some fun. I miss those games. You guys have any hot takes for the draft before you leave? Mike, get all your takes out before you leave, and then we're going to break down uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. 
Yes, his, uh, my favorite mock draft. draft. Was every this a year. segment for you guys on Tailgate? Yeah, every year. Kind of Christmas almost. It was, it was. It's kind of tame this it year. It is tame this year, which is unfortunate. But you have I to have get, some takes. You have to get pretty deep into this draft before yeah. the crazy comes out. Well, let's, yeah. let's jump right into it. Maurice Jones-Drew, he's got his mock draft over at NFL.com. What, uh, what stands out? to you guys so far he's got uh, well starts with number one Anthony Richardson's going to the Carolina Panthers here we I have I a thought, process for MJD has he explained it looking at process here <laughs> and I like looking at the analysis of these because I think yeah. Mojo I, I don't I'm just gonna say I don't think Mojo's writing these could be like a combination of chat GBT and a couple interns who knows <laughs> but when you look at pick two in the second sentence, Stroud has much more size than Young, which steers the Texans towards the former Buckeyes. Like, is that his take or is like he a, his opinion of the Texans maybe steering away? I don't know. But I do like that it's like a – I think the NFL site uses Mojo as a, as a change of pace back in the mock drafting <laughs> space. And he does offer a change of pace because you will not find a serious mock drafter putting anyone but Bryce Young at one right now. No, no yeah. you're not going to do it. Not, nobody like, that's like, nobody that's prognosticating. Like exactly. People exactly. that are saying what I would do might have it. I like Mo- Mojo late in his career as a change of pace back, I think makes sense. So Anthony Richardson won to the Panthers. That puts Stroud number two to the Texans. And then the Colts trade up from four to three to get Bryce Young. The big news, by the way, the big news today with Stroud was his S2 score. A bunch of them were leaked to Bob McGinn. Uh, Stroud, 18th percentile is Ooh. his number. Look, we just had Brandon Correct. from S2 yes. on the show. Did you? A couple weeks yeah. ago. Oh, wow. We, just, we broke that. it all down. If you're seeing this overall, go listen to the interview. Now, first of he all. made but a the, point. The percentage, go ahead. He ma- well, so number one, he made a point of saying there's a lot of misinformation out there right now some scores of people saying this guy was there this guy was there they're not even in the ballpark of being true right so this series of leaked numbers any one of them could be bullshit or all of them could be bullshit who knows um he also made the point of look this is not 18th percentile relative to us idiots like this is 18th percentile of NFL prospects so it's at least like let's raise the bar a little bit from the guy's not a walking mm-hmm. moron mm-hmm. like or a guy that like you know the ball flies his direction it takes him three seconds to register it's even in the air this is not what we're talking about here it is 18th percentile relative to NFL prospects have you guys taken those tests at all no they, they are I took one and I do think it's interesting because a lot of the ones that like maybe apply to quarterbacks I can see it it's it's like you have to track dots on a screen yeah and then it, once you get to four and five dots, which is like four and five wide receivers or four and five linebackers or whatever, like defenders that you have to keep track of, some people just like, I just felt myself lose it. Like right. you just like none of the dots. Like you, you, and you feel that in sports sometimes too, when you're just like, maybe not baseball, but maybe like <laughs> basketball, where it just like, it just moved too fast. I felt yeah, that and you kind of like, it's, you get that panicky. Right. That's the thing. That's the board, the panicky. It's the quantifying that thing. I think that's always been a huge part of sports where there are some people that always have time because mm-hmm. they can do that. They can, they crack when it it's all there gets in their, in their brain, it doesn't overwhelm them and they can still act like it's just one thing they're tracking and everything's mm-hmm. fine. And they can always adjust to whatever's happening without seeming panicked. And then you have other people, and I was in this category, where when it starts to overwhelm you, you panic and you can only do like plan A. Mm-hmm. Plan B, no, dead. So that it's, it's, I think it is starting to quantify that thing, which has always just been an intangible. Yeah. Well, this guy's good under pressure. But that, that's what it is. That's why. I want to know what Zach Wilson's so there, two score is. Then I'll, then I'll make a judgment. There is. So there's a quote from an executive that says, Stroud scored an 18. That is like red alert, red alert. You can't take a guy like that. That's why I have Stroud as a bust. 
That in conjunction with the fact to name one Ohio State quarterback that's ever done it in the league. I just think it's, it's hilarious because <clears throat> the NFL has so much data, right? And it's all about the film, and you grind the film, and you spend hundreds and thousands of hours evaluating those guys. And they think as binary as we think sometimes. Mm-hmm. Bad score, bad. Good score, good. Right? I mean, like, I used to make fun of baseball scouts all the time. Like, this guy's got a great, this guy's got a good arm. He throws 95. I'm like, yes, my four-year-old can look at 95 and say that's a good fastball. But that's what they lean on mm-hmm. at the end. Score says 18, bad. Forget about throw everything out the window. I mean, how much of that is just like cutting corners and trying to make the process easier? Like, I don't know. I think that the I think a lot of it is also though, like just articulate, like because you know he's being asked, "What? What do you think about this?" So he's like, "18, that's bad. Can't have it." Like you're not gonna. And then he says he's a bust. Also, no Ohio State quarterbacks ever made it. That, that part is like dumb. Yeah, no, 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 those are overly dumb. simplistic yeah, things. Yeah, when yeah. we yes. know that teams are in a draft room and CJ Stroud comes up and scouts have and you sit there for hours talking about one player. Breaking down all the good and the bad, it's never oversimplified like the way it is. The, yeah. the take I have on that too, and it's, I don't even know how like related this is necessarily, but I do think some of that binary thinking can come from ownership. And when ownership gets involved, and it's like, yeah. well, I sat down with him and shook his hand. I think this guy's fucking yeah. got it. And like but, that to me can like imagine if Chris comes down and he's like, hey, I think we should change the name to PFF NFL Show or to podcast or say we should call it just NFL Lose the PFF. You're not going to push back that hard, man. He's the owner. Dude. You're just going to be like, yeah, I kind of like it too. That's how it's going to kind of go. Like I think that when you're like a new head coach or a new GM and the GM, the owner comes down, he's like, hey, I kind of like Bryce over CJ Strauss. Like me too. I can get on board with that. Not my fucking call. You write the checks. But I think like there's certain things where there are like red flags in the sentence. Like as soon as the guy says, oh, no, Ohio State quarterback's ever done it. You're like, okay, immediately, I'm no longer listening to anything you're saying because this is absurd. Like, that is a dumb take. And if you're connecting that to other things, like, I just no longer value your opinion. That was sufficiently Mm -hmm. stupid that I'm I'm out on whatever you're saying. But I think there's a world where, like, if you're being asked about a random guy, right, you're not going to give the guy – like, obviously, your thoughts on him are going to be layered, nuanced, and it's going to take a while. But, like, if – Somebody says, hey, what's your take on C.J. Stroud? You're going to give, like, the first thing of scares me because of this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously you have more to your thoughts than that, but that's the thing that you're going to use to sort of get the point across sure. in five seconds. And the point on the test that Brandon kept making is just like a PFF grade, just like we would never say, this guy had a 92, therefore he's great. This guy had a 70, therefore don't draft him. He said the same thing. If you have a good test or a bad test, it's about the how, the what specifically, and it might just be certain parts of the test – lead to certain levels of performance where you just you know avoid certain plays avoid certain concepts or whatever it is Mm -hmm. there's nuance to all of this it's never just this number but the big concern with stroud would be again if this is true right if he is in the 18th percentile of this s2 test it also does tally with he was bad under pressure last year outside of the georgia game like you connect those two things and all of a sudden now you've got a pattern starting to emerge and that is enough to potentially scare you away from so we're out on stroud (laughs) <laughs> well, he's a bust. Have you ever seen Ohio State quarterback ever have success? Never. I'm right. not even sure it's like just pressure. It's just, just like out of rhythm yeah. with C.J. Stroud. When, when it's kind of, you know, rhythm's great. Like he's elite in rhythm. Um, but it's it just kind of you have to be a little more creative or a little more, again, like things breaking down. You have to track a little bit more than what was just handed to you from the snap. And some of that is that offense again, then, which yeah. is like the entire approach to that offense over the last couple of quarterbacks has been – drop back, stare down a target, wait till he's open, hit him. And yeah. they do that a ton, and they're really good at it. But you need more than that. My yeah, concern with Stroud is I think he ends up the, the Derek Carr 
discourse, the Kirk Cousins discourse, I think Jared, Jared Goff, I think he just ends up in this category where he'll have, if everything is pristine around him, I think he's accurate and he'll yeah. deliver and he could be really good. If things are bad though, fan base is going to be like, oh, this guy can't carry us. But that's like, to me, that's okay on a first contract, right? On a first yeah, contract, yeah. Jared Goff level. Of I play think it also be, depends on the roster that you have at the time. Yeah. Right? If you have a roster that's in place, like the Lions or something, where you think you can win with that rookie contract, then it makes more sense. But if you're a team like the Houston Texans or obviously the Carolina Panthers, where you don't feel like that roster is there yet, that's where I think you swing a big bat on Anthony Richardson. It's like, hey, I got to compete with Mahomes. And if I hit on this and it does reach that range of outcomes that is Mahomes level talent, elite level talent, the athleticism, the fields level runs. That works for me, and the roster can figure it out later. Now, if you're further along in your roster development and you've hit on some picks and the cap situation's fine, then I think not settling but opting for a rookie contract Stroud or a rookie contract whoever, I think that does make more sense. I will say, or I'm just curious, because I think Baker Mayfield has a lot of the same concerns that like Stroud might have. I would wonder what Baker Mayfield does to scores, actually. Yeah. Because he's very much one where at Oklahoma, when he was confident, when it just like didn't have to be – anything outside of the easy layups that he was hitting it was just money i'll pass along the anecdotal stuff that i've heard because mm -hmm. there's other tests besides s2 there's personality tests there's all these other psychological type types of tests like all these other things and supposedly on certain tests there were concerns for baker mayfield right the things that we never saw we saw the breathalyzer there was well concerns for baker mayfield but then a guy like Josh Allen, they were, you know, they were like, yeah, 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 this guy. He's going to get – because they're trying mm -hmm. to figure out who's going to get better, mm -hmm. yes. right? Who's going to become – how did Mahomes and Brady and Breeze and Rodgers – they all had obstacles to overcome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whatever that was, draft yeah. position or arm or height, or and they all overcame obstacles, whatever it may have been. You're trying to, that's the guy you really want. Yeah. And so they're trying to predict that. So there may have been tests out there that predicted, hey, look, Josh Allen, personality-wise or whatever, could be one of those guys who does it. Baker Mayfield might not be. So I, the NFL's trying. They're privy to these things that we're not. When I was at the Combine this year, I was working on a piece talking through with GMs, coaches, scouts, the whole threshold things like does he have to have 30 inch arms does he have to have you know 280 pounds to play this position or whatever and what the conversation continued to go to is like we don't really think of you know martin mayhew of the the commanders and these different gms the Bengals gm duke tobin everyone kept going back to we don't have these thresholds for that but like i want a guy that can get better and wants to get better and everyone i, I sometimes yeah. that gets thrown in mike does it all the time that gets thrown into like oh that's like kind of coach speak gm speak whatever where you're like i want a guy that wants it but i do think that's what they actually care about and that's why with will levis I am thinking that these teams are going to be like in love with this guy because they think he has that. And I do think he's like a super tough player. And I talked to um, Liam Cohen, the offense coordinator that was there before Rich Gangarello took over. And like everyone raves about like this guy wants it, wants to get better, you know, striving, striving, striving. And I think the NFL covets that enough. And that's why, you know, Levis is getting, you know, pushed into the yeah. top 10, even having the year that he it's, had. It's definitely a thing. Like remember the one negative that anybody had about Trevor Lawrence was – like, does he really love it enough? He's got options. That guy could be something else. Yeah. He could do a career other than football and be fine. That was like, I don't know. 
Like, you know, compare that to some of these other quarterbacks that, that need this game. Like, it's definitely a thing that the NFL still focuses on. And they should want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you only get seven picks. You know, sometimes ten, sometimes five. But you only get a handful of picks. Like, you should want the right guys and all that. So I get it. Um, but then sometimes it's like you hear the same stories about Davis Webb. Like, oh, that dude, you know, he just wants it. He's in the film room 19 hours a day and all that stuff. It's like, all right, it doesn't matter. He can't, you know, throw well, the ball like, accurately. So, Like Jake Locker coming out. I remember the Gruden. I saw the clip of him getting drafted. Gruden's like, this guy's going to go to war. And he retires four years into his career. You know, like he didn't go to war at all. The dude yeah. left so the battlefield. Good luck. Good luck yeah, I, I, I do think that. it's something that Deserter. scouts, GMs, coaches covet. I do think it's something to, hard to gauge. Yes, right? it's, it it, it's, it's hard to like say, like, oh, no, that's for sure. That's a why yeah. Josh McDaniels yeah. drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. As his first like, – this is my quarterback. Tebow reminds me of Tom Brady because he wants it. Well, particularly like when money arrives. I mean, it's a different – like oh, how yeah. much do you want the, the money and how much do you want the football? Football. I was like, talking with a coach in the offseason talking about like a recent draft pick that was struggling and I was like oh like how's this going like kind of off the record and stuff and it's like I just need to figure out what he wants like what does this guy want in order to get better and I feel like that happens a lot with these draft busts and I've been one of those people who's like teams fail players not players but I think when you get into the situation how a player can fail himself is if yeah. you don't fucking want it and like you yeah. don't show up and you don't do these different things any other uh so um, do you have uh, any MJD mock draft takes that you just want to bring to the table uh, instead of me just going through it? I don't have any takes. I, I, I did like his analysis for Kalaja Kansi, number 27 of the Buffalo Bills. <clears throat> this talented, explosive interior rusher lands with a team that loves to get after the quarterback. It's a great fit. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I do agree that... You that can't team, argue with the I logic. do agree that Bills like to get after the quarterback. Chet and Chet I do agree. They're the one team fit. that likes to get after That's yeah. a great fit. Now, my assumption is that they're trying to fit Kalaja Kansi in the first round. They had that analysis prepped. But Bill's landing I mean, on look, the chart. You, you, can't argue, you can't argue with the logic that pass rush goes to a team that likes pass rush. It, it fits. Makes sense it's to a me. great fit. He, he copied my mock going John Michael Schmitz to the Giants at 25. Ooh. Trendsetter. Talk to me, uh, Austin, about Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson <clears throat> Jr. We just did our edge rankings yesterday. We've, we've done that conversation quite a lot. Renner's given his take. Where are you? I, I'm not there with – Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson Jr. Now there is, and we were talking about this before we were recording, like there is a conversation where the size, length, potential with Wilson is something you're buying over maybe what you see as a ceiling with Will Anderson. I I think he's going to get a lot better in the NFL. I don't understand why, because he doesn't have the same arm length or he's not as big or whatever, doesn't mean he can't also get a lot better when you turn on his tape and look specifically against like his run defense and stuff. I feel like how much he got better over the course from his, you know, um, 2021 season to his 2022 season. I think Will Anderson is not getting enough credit for how much he's going to get better. Cause everyone's like talking about Anderson is like, he's got the production. He's already done it. This is the guy that is a proven thing. It's like, yeah, he's a proven thing. And I think he gets better. Whereas Tyree Wilson's like not a proven thing yet, but he's going to get better. I don't know. We, we apply to the whole improvement range of outcomes, things to guys that are long and guys that are athletic when like Will Anderson, isn't like terribly short-armed or terribly inathletic, but it ends up being like, since he's done it already, we stop thinking he can improve. We do this every year. They said the same thing about the Bosa's. Oh, they won't get better. That doesn't matter. With the Joey Bosa one is what it's reminding me of. It's like people use the argument that, oh, he's maxed out. It's like, yeah, but he's he's already a Pro Bowl caliber player. If this is as good as he gets, that's good. Like, if he gets no better than this whatsoever, mm-hmm. it's a great pick. And the guy yeah. behind him has to be twice as good to get to, to Bosa. Are you, that's what you want to bet on? That's, Rough. Yeah. So. And, and Anderson, I'll say this about him. They were – Alabama has been – they were very schemed defense. He, he was not 
given kind of just like, you know, in the NFL, you, a lot of teams will just give their edge guys or give like real playmakers, high-end guys, freedom, where yeah. it's like, hey, go make plays. That was not Will Anderson at all, and he still made plays. You yeah. know, he, he is not given that. Like Ohio State let, let the Boses do that, let Chase Young do that. That's why they were just so impactful at that level. But Will Anderson was kind of like a part of Alabama's scheme, not unique in his own regard. And he was still, you know, leading this class in sacks this past yeah, year. Yeah, I think the, the stuff that people tried to argue last year for Trayvon Walker, I think is actually a better argument for both Nolan Smith and Will Anderson in terms of the defenses there that they were in didn't let them do the thing that you would want them doing if they were to maximize, yeah. like, their impact. Like, they were at least shackled restricted a little bit by their schemes which was what people were trying to claim for walker but i don't think it was actually that true Bijan robinson's going to the eagles at 10. we know the history of the eagles they do not covet running backs yeah, up in the first round but is this the year is this the year because they have two picks because they have a super bowl caliber roster icing on the cake Bijan robinson to the eagles well why would you draft a backup running back in the first round <laughs> <laughs> Todd Penny. <laughs> Sandy, no, Penny. Um, I think I mean, the more, Kenneth Gainwell, really. more interesting the, part of uh, Bijan going to the Eagles, I think, is uh, Bijan's not even his top running back. Jameer Gibbs is his top running back mojo. Him and uh, Emery. Oh, wow. Him and Emery Hunt both have. MJD's got things for the smaller one, guys, though. He's got type. Who's that? MJD likes the small. He likes guys like him. He had such a unique was, body type. Yeah, he was small and round, though. The only like, person I've compared to MJD was Nick Chubb coming out. I said Nick Chubb's a taller MJD, the way he just Bowling forced ball. Yes, yeah. you can't tackle this guy. I'm comfortable with that. MJD comp, was in his own I'm world, to think of like though. a physical comp for MJD. There he really like aren't the Puff Marshmallow Man. A little bit. No, the, the Michelin <laughs> Man. He looks like the Michelin Man, just like with how he's built. He's just round. just wrapped around, like too much muscle and too much stuff wrapped around his bones. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense. One of his first games, he like popped Sean Merriman in pass protection, and it was like MJD. Look at this guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He yeah, he weird, hit the ground running. Great player, rookie. but he weird was awesome. player. Where's Bijan land, guys? Where's I'll he say the go? Falcons. I'll say he goes eight to the Falcons. Really, eight to the Falcons. Yeah. See, I'm starting to think of all the quarterbacks that are going to drop. I'm starting to lean towards it's, it's Anthony Richardson, and then I'm thinking, do the Falcons take him at eight? Are the Falcons that? Could be the best fit for Richardson, given how they ran their offense last year. I'm not saying that's how they want to do it going forward, but I think that's like the, they want though. Right? They just want or how they're building right now is just outlier like big athletes, and so yeah. Dijon would be that, Anthony Richardson would be that, Tyree maybe Wilson. Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez would be that, but they just traded for Jeffrey Kuda. So I think that's where they're going as a roster, which I, I can't hate on. I would, I mean, we said it right at the start of the process. I would love Richardson in that offense. Like I, that would be insane. Mm -hmm. MJD has the Jets taking Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, at 13. That's the highest I've ever seen him. I don't look at a ton of mocks, but that's the highest I've seen for Osiris Torrance. Last year at this time, I feel like we were all mocking uh, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. We were all putting him in the 20s, like give him mm -hmm. to the Bucks or the Bills, and all of a sudden he goes at, what, 14 to the Texans last year. Could Osiris Torrance be a guard that goes in the top 15 when maybe it's a little unexpected here? Well, no, because they have two guards <laughs> the Jets. <laughs> That, they have Elijah, Elijah Tucker, Tucker can move to Tomlinson. tackle. I assume he's going to move to tackle. MJD is going to move. Well, let's look what AVT. he said. The Jets continue to build their offensive line with a monster in the interior who will help protect Aaron Rodgers, assuming the trade gets done during a deep playoff run. Yeah. Okay. Can't so argue with that. here's a here's a question. What is your favorite analysis in this in this? No, draft? it's Cansey for sure. No, I did also no. like Hooker. 
going to the Vikings at 23. Okay, what's that? Hooker gets a redshirt year to get completely healthy and learn behind Kirk Cousins before becoming QB1 and leading Kevin O'Connell's offense. I feel like that's a good hooker blurb with some Vikings keywords. It's the SEO is good. good. I, I like the SEO. I'm just. It's a good one, but yeah, let me tell you what, what the greatest blurb and analysis in this draft is. Pick Hit number me. 15, the Green Bay Packers select Zay Flowers, Boston College wide receiver. Quote, I sure hope the Packers finally select a playmaking wide receiver in the first round to aid their young quarterback. See, that, see that, that just explains the entire process, right? He's having a good time, and I respect that. I respect a good time with the mock. At this point in the process, people don't want to see Bryce Young at one every single time. Just having fun. You're just, just, like you guys. Just having a good like time. Like tailgate. Just having a good time. That's why we celebrate every year when it's mock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What else we got here? Keon White goes in the – Keon White's been invited to the draft. Yeah, it's wild. Is he going in round one? Did you hear Sam's comp for him? Polar bear with a helmet on. Yeah. I, I, so I think I settled on a bull at the end of it. Oh, bull. He, he yeah, reminds yeah. me a Sorry, lot of those, the, like the, the bullfighting bull, you know, to the point where, like, you know, those they get distracted by, like, rodeo clowns. Like, as mm. much as they're going to destroy you if they get a clean shot, like a guy in a stupid suit can just, like, run in front of it and go, like, running that way, and the bull's like, okay. Like, that's Keon White, right? He's running right at the quarterback, this manic, like, ball of destruction. But then, like, a running back can just, like, pop him in the knee and he's I think, I think in this class, though, back end of the first round, I could see it. I could see if Keon White in the back end of the first round. Yeah, certainly. Like, when you get into that group, I'm, like, referred to them as this giant swathe of beige yesterday. Like, mm. these guys are just, I, nah. But, like, you can definitely, I can see a world where you push Keon White above all those guys. So, above, you know, BJ Ojalari, above uh, even Felix, uh, like, that group, you could probably get him to, like, five or six in your rankings, depending on what you really covet. Smart to just avoid pronouncing any DK Zama there just to Felix. Avoid just Felix Thanks. just Felix K-State Felix FAU, FAU not I'm not doing FAU I can't do that we, we brought up Torrance and I was doing that measurables threshold stuff and something that was interesting is that only Ed Ingram who is the Viking second round pick from last season he started some games this year and then Ode Abushi who spent last season with the Rams been a journeyman for a bit those are the only two players that have vertical jumped less than 24 inches and played more than 300 snaps in a season over the last five years Osias Torrance weighs a lot more than both those guys, but does fall into that under 24-inch tier. I don't know. I we was did. looking at some of these things and, like, did. looking at explosiveness. I, we looked at it a little like differently, that. too. So we said, where are the guards who are 6'5 or above, 330-plus pounds with 33-and-a-half-inch arms? So we looked at it differently. And in, in that group, you have Quentin Nelson, John Jerry, Kalichi Osemele, Jamarcus Webb, Osiris Torrance is in there, Eric Flowers, DJ Fluker, Daryl Williams, Terry Phillips, a bunch of guys who have been successful. Mm -hmm. But we haven't, you know, without factoring in the verdict. Yeah. I, I feel like one or one or other of you needs to create like a team with the worst measurable at every spot. Like yeah. the, the shortest armed player who's actually played snaps, the worst vertical jump who's actually played snaps, the worst 40 time that's actually played snaps. Like what does that roster look like? Orlando so, Brown. Bad. We were, <laughs> we were going to Orlando Brown. We were going to do... So we were going to try to do the podcast again, but it got shut down. Um, and we were going to do building the worst player at each position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, was I that, forgot that about that. Idea? I don't have any of those notes, we but those are brutal. We <laughs> built the worst quarterback. Like it was Peter fantastic. Skorowski's arms. And it was great. It, yeah. was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Calum Murray's yeah. height. What do we have? <laughs> Mike, Mike, we used Big. to have fun making up scouting terms. We, remember we, yes. we, we did the draft show. We did the – PFF NFL podcast. We would do a draft episode every week where we'd have these little segments, make up draft terms. Yeah, one of those. It was the year. I think it was the year I had the hot take about uh, Corey Davis being a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. Still we were, time. We were forcing hot Still takes time. that year with bold predictions, and I said, "Yeah, Corey Davis going to the Hall of Fame." Yeah, they made us do it like on the like 
we're going live and they're like, Hey, you're going to have it to start with a hot take. I'm like, okay. For the sports illustrated show. And yeah. It's like, okay. That's Corey Davis is going to catch a thousand balls. <laughs> Top 10 go to the receptions all time. Like forget Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, that's good, so that's a good question for Mike. What is the, each one of us has one. Like mm-hmm. Steve's is Corey, hall of famer, Corey Davis, even though it was like designed as a hot take, this just saddled around his neck. Mine has obviously been the Tom Brady yeah. is done thing. What's the take you have that hangs around Jerry your neck? Jerry Tillery. Oh yeah. Top 10 player in 2018. Jerry I think he was top five. No, he wasn't top five. <laughs> I also had Jeffrey Simmons top ten player of the year. So I wrote a full. You're coming you can't off Chris offset Jones, it. Like, coming yeah. off Chris Jones. But Tillery just, I mean, he yeah. was he's a unique case, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> may, case. It may not have been on field. Unique case. When he first signed with the Raiders, I think there was a quote from Max Crosby that was like, he's an odd cat. Like I think everyone has had that same quote on Tillery, whoever has met him. It's like, yeah, it's an odd dude. Uh, I'm not saying that's directly, you know. We had a we had a heads up on that before the draft and maybe ignored it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I was in the ignore stage for sure. <laughs> <laughs> My worst take, I wrote an entire article on why Justin Jefferson, you shouldn't go long on him being like a legit outside receiver. Can't play a lot of that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was rough. <laughs> it was like going back and reading it, it's like disgusting. How come that's not a thing? Why doesn't anybody know about that? No, it's been old takes exposed. Oh, it's okay. freezing cold takes or whatever okay. that thing's yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. And well, honestly, good. it's so fair. I, like the analysis is just ass. You've got to learn. You've got to learn, Austin. You've got to use qualifiers. The worst thing could, is, so that's the thing. Like, you have one where the analysis is ass and the conclusion, therefore, is terrible and you look like an idiot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I went back, like, I reread the Brady thing multiple times over mm-hmm. the last 15 years that he's, like, made it look stupid since yeah. I posted it. The analysis is actually okay. It's just the conclusion ends up being wrong. What's hilarious is I have a tweet, if you want to go check it out, um, that's just this is a Justin Jefferson fan account from when he was playing outside receiver like the year prior. And like he was making some – he was doing some good things. And outside, then he moved into the slot. I was like, ah, I just don't see this translating. I just – I can't believe this guy. This guy sucked at whatever it was. I'll never, I, like, I'll never know I think I comped that. him to – a more athletic Cooper Cup, though, in the end. And I don't know. Maybe that's not, I think that's yeah. not bad, you know. I, I think I just botched that article. I was going for hot takes. I will say I'm very thankful that for, like, my first three years at PFF, I just didn't tweet or, like, barely wrote. I was just watching and learning about football because yeah. I would have just said just the dumbest shit. If, oh, the, like, in my so infancy. the Brady thing is the one that hangs around my neck, but there's no way that is even in the top five dumbest things I've said during the time at PFF. Like, if people actually dug through – the receipts i'm sure they'd find way worse than that ones where the analysis was not sound to begin with and you just ended up getting screwed by a guy ending up you know reversing his career and putting yeah. 10 more years of the someone mentioned life. in the youtube chat your uh jj arthega Whiteside. oh was, that was bad but he wasn't like that high i at least had dk metcalf wide receiver one that year aj brown wide receiver two. i was good yeah, yeah we so, had dk and aj uh, as a never would have drafted all, jj we all did technically that. by the way the pff <laughs> draft board is getting um it's not just going to be your draft board at the end of the day. We've, yeah. We're taking in some, some other opinions. Well, and uh, gonna Tanner McKee's going to drop a little bit. A I little guess. bit. Somebody, yeah. I, I assume so that's you a, might want to sell. I assume that's a comment. I assume that's a comment in the uh, chat box that Tyler has posted there, but from a guy called Red Skeleton who said, I first started watching years ago, and Renner would barely utter words, and Sam seemed like he was being forced to partake. That sounds about accurate. You've grown. You have grown as an analyst. Oh, that Thank was a good st- – oh, when there was a time where it was me and Steve basically doing the podcast and anything forward-facing, mm-hmm. and we needed new people, right? We needed yeah. the next wave guys. So we did, like, basically auditions for people to see if they could talk, you know, and be acceptable on camera and whatever. And you started doing it – were you doing it with Matt Klassen at that point? 
Uh, you both got like auditioned. Yeah. But there was a period where you would talk at an Austin Gale rate that actually I had to go through and slow it It down. It was tough. I had Mm -hmm. to like strip out your audio and like reduce it to 0.8 speed or whatever so that it sounded human. I I was so bad when I started. Like I had really bad, um, like social anxiety. Like I didn't talk in class. Like I didn't talk in public. I was bad. So this is obviously a big change but i i uh remember my first radio hit i wish i could find the. i have the clip somewhere in my in my email somewhere it was the worst thing i've ever i remember so it was it was probably like 2014 neil sends me over new orleans radio wrote about like mark ingram or something and they're like can we interview the guy that did this and i was like oh shit like i i don't know uh, okay neil i'll do it i get on and then i had like what i was going to say prepared because they're like going to ask you about marketing. Yeah, I had yeah. this whole thing prepared. They say, you know, hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming. Or they ask me a question right away. And I start answering the question. And I'm like, oh, but thanks for having me on. And then I start answering the question again. And I was like, no. I've had some bad I remember videos. hanging up, leaning back in my chair, <laughs> and just being like, what did I just do? Oh, it was, it was legitimately like painful for me. To do funny. when yeah, Sam and Steve yeah. first started right letting me do some of the voiceovers for the NBC contract, you remember when Seven you were, Dead? Yeah, I was like, I'd be like reading like the uh, the like this running back went up the middle for a ten yard gain. They're like, why does it sound like you're announcing a fire in a house? I'm like, I don't think that's that. And then like I listen back, like, oh man, can I aggregate some news? Yes, on this? No, yeah, definitely. I see the news. Yeah, break it, yeah, yeah, break, yeah, break yeah. it, break it. Um, NFL has suspended five players including Lions wide receiver Jamison Williams for violating the NFL gambling policy. Lions C.J. Moore and Quintus Cephas, plus Commander Shaka Tony, are suspended indefinitely at least one year. And then Williams and Detroit Stanley Berryhill are suspended six games. Oh, so Jamison's only out six, six games. games. Okay. What is the, what is the, the wording of that tweet is ass. What is, yeah. Rap, sorry. What is the differentiator there between that's a year-long suspension for egregious gambling if violations? If it was a same what? game, no sweat, same game parlay. The I no think. sweat thing. The no you sweat, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hold on. So CJ Moore, Quintez Cephas, Shaka Tony, they're suspended indefinitely, at least which means at, at least, least a year. year. The, C, the Calvin Ridley treatment. Yeah. And then Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill, six games. Yes. I'm fascinated now by what the difference Yeah, yeah, interested to hear what the difference is. Was it on your own team versus a different team? Or I found my first radio hit. Should I just play it into the mic here? Yes. Is this going to be bad? What have we got? Can we really? Let's see. Send it into the I don't have it. Send it into the file. I I have the file. How did you find 2014 Saints? Yeah. Why do you have the file? Uh, I can't even find the time we interviewed Patrick Mahomes. I have that file hidden somewhere. Four Lions (laughs) players and one Commanders player. Was there a Lions syndicate? I and then, like, was Jameson only in on a couple of the bets? I, I want to know how this differentiated. First-round players gambling? Come on, man. That's a bad thing. The Lions immediately have released Quintus Cephas. I understand special teamers. <laughs> yeah, special teamers need to, work, to make some side hustle money. But they can't, even impact the, they can't impact the game, though. They got no, they got no way to... No, they just need the money. Like, yeah. they're just gambling like the rest of us, trying to, you know, earn some side crust. All right, here's my first radio hit. Michael Ritter. talking about the black and gold. Michael, thank you so much for the time. The Saints are one of eight two and teams. Your thoughts on what you've seen out of the black and gold through the first two weeks of the season? Uh, I've been very impressed to get Saints for coming on today. Their game last uh, last Sunday against the Tampa Buccaneers was surprised they ended up pulling it out. Then they have. Are you sweating? Their defense has been light years better than it has been last year. And, I think 
fantasy right now, and I'm. Stop it! This is not you. Oh my god! I'm very uncomfortable. I'm very that uncomfortable. was awful. That's, I told you. It sounds bad. like you're on the elliptical, but also like a gun to your head. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's bad. The other the other good story that Tyler oh, mentioned man. was when we were doing. We used to do these hits on Sky TV in mm-hmm. the UK, and Neil had it in his brain that um, you needed like British accents, you know, to do the Sky TV hit in the UK. That they they're going to want Brits. That makes sense. In actuality, I think the reverse is true. But anyway, so in his head, it was like me, who still had some vestiges of an Irish accent at that point, and Neil had to be the talent, right? And so we, we start doing these sort of prep things. And Neil on camera is a fascinating person because he can't handle... He, he's like the, the pressure thing we talked about, the S2 stuff, right? Yeah. When it's not exactly the way he has it planned in his head, it breaks down. He can't handle like the ad lib on the fly, right? So we did like a couple of rehearsals and whatever. And then one of them we were doing where it, he got pitched the question in a way that wasn't exactly the way he had it in his mind and like stopped the, the rehearsal to go, no, 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 you need to pitch it to me like this. He gave me like a word for word way to transition yeah. to him, right? So we're doing this, we got the, the earpieces in, every now and again, the producer in the UK would come on, he'd say, you know, whatever, a little bit of instruction. So. I'm answering this thing and we're sort of, uh, the camera's there, big screen behind us. There's a little monitor over there that we can see things on. And uh, so I'm wrapping up whatever answer. The guy comes in, uh, the guy comes on the, the microphone, ends in the ear, goes, uh, okay, wrap it after this, this, uh, this answer. Neil turns to the monitor and says, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I'm I answering that. the question. I'm like, oh, no. what did he just do? And I'm, Calculate, this is happening in my brain whilst I'm trying to wrap up whatever sentence I'm answering at the time. I'm like, I have never ever in my life seen a person answer the voice in their ear just on the fly. (laughs) Not only that, but he turned to the monitor that didn't have them in it, it had us on it, and and answered it. Mind blowing. Hot, yeah. Big tip here, do do not answer. Don't answer the voice in your your ear. Unless you're making it a bit. Can I speculate on the difference in suspensions? 100%. So, definitely the number of Lindsay Jones of The Ringer just sent out a screenshot. Oh, I think, stop of the, with the, the Ringer The stuff. official release. <laughs> and it says at the bottom of like, you know, six games for whoever. The gambling policy, which is annually reviewed with all NFL personnel, including players, prohibits anyone in the NFL from engaging in any form of gambling in any club or league facility or venue, including the practice facility. Any form of gambling? Do you think they maybe oh, here, look, on the NFL? Dave Burkett uh, on Twitter. Plenty of details in here, but Jamison Williams was suspended six games for gambling on non-NFL yeah, games I, from an NFL facility. So that's oh, what I was speculating. Yeah, facility. he's freaking ripping some baseball parlays. That's fair. Oh. Is it, maybe he's just in like a fantasy baseball league or something like that. And the Lions released two others who were found to have bet six on NFL games. games for some fucking baseball parlays? In the facility. That's, that's obnoxious. Could have been that's soccer. Rough. Did he say baseball? Could have been. No, he didn't. We just, but I'm just non, assuming. we just said non-NFL. That's horrendous. Could be if these bets didn't hit, if the handle was low, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of conversation. Yeah, what if he's just like, yeah, just throwing some, you know, ten dollar, little ten dollar action here. I'm a first rounder. I'm just. He's just doing free fun. bets. It wasn't <laughs> <even>. <laughs> he's just doing the free plays, and he got popped. The most embarrassing uh, thing that come out of this is if Jameson's unit size is ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that. If he just was using the two hundred dollar, you know, no sweat cash back deal, to the introductory offer from whatever uh, sportsbook yeah. he signed up with, that's terrible. Rough. I don't he, even think like I, I don't have a problem with that. 
the NFL draft show two years ago when we were, we're just we're cranking it out. It's night two. There's a million picks. We're trying to keep tabs on everything. And we, we slowed down the entire show by bringing in Thomas Dimitrov. That's for right. an interview. Oh, that's a great story. And, uh, <laughs> and so, the, you know, there's like six of us on set and all that stuff. And we were going to try. We couldn't figure out a way where we could all be a part of the interview. So only George could do the interview. So the rest of us were like, great. We're doing TV for 28 hours this weekend. We get a break, read Twitter, catch up and all that stuff. So they do the interview, finish the interview, and George looks at Mike. Mike, what are your thoughts? Live on the air. What did you say watching. I said, oh, gosh. It, what I are your said, thoughts on what Thomas had to say, Mike? I said, I'll be honest, I wasn't listening. Yeah, it was, it was honestly, like, <laughs> shocking. I was shell-shocked that you said that out loud. <laughs> you, try to be, you try to make something up. Yeah, you BS. make something up. Yeah. Like, oh, honestly. What did you, you know, repose the question. What did yeah. you think, George? <laughs> you, you tell me. And you're just like, yeah. no, nah, I don't know. Wasn't listening. I wasn't listening. I literally saying. wasn't listening. My favorite under the radar. Nor were the listeners. <laughs> from that show was that we kicked it to Ian Harditz because he, he was on oh, his yeah. second stage. Yeah. And he did the complete wrong pick. He did analysis of Javante Williams to like the Raiders, <laughs> and, and like did the whole analysis. Kicks it back to and us. No one was listening. And we're no one listening to him. Yeah, like, we're taking a break. It, break. it, oh, it wasn't until watching back later that I was like, "You did the wrong pick." <laughs> I, when we were in the mini studio years ago, mm. we did. We had the mini studio. Only two of us were in there, and then everyone else the was kind of like up? out on the couches, whatever. And we were trying to figure out picks, and somebody yelled out, "Christian Kirk to the Chiefs." And I go, I'm like, there it is, Christian Kirk, Chiefs. What a, oh, this great move. They already got a receiver <laughs> earlier. And then somebody's like, no, it's the oh, Cardinals. Man. Oh, okay. Is that the draft that Renner? Because Renner's birthday is always around the draft. Yes. And that was that the draft yes. where Neil is fuming because Renner's not in yet. And oh, we're like, oh, yeah. he's going to be here. Yes. I think it was day two, though. It wasn't it was. day one. It was day two. It was day two. It was Renner's actual birthday. Yeah. And uh, Ren Neil is losing his goddamn mind, like legitimately ready to kill everybody in sight. <laughs> Renner rolls in with two 30 racks. Absolutely. <laughs> and he's like already shelled. And we're like, oh no. <laughs> What's fucked is that if I did that, I think Neil would have me just outside pasture. <laughs> Renner does. He's like, Renner on, is, Mike. You got to push like, the boundaries. You got to have yeah. years of boundary Renner, pushing until. Renner cultivated this unique space within PFF where he would take the piss so much that. The regular things it was an he expectation. did. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He created the, he lowered the bar of expectations to the point where he could then repeatedly violate like norms of work in a way that the rest of us couldn't, right? So anybody else that does any one of Renner's like transgressions would get like the full treatment, be ripped, be shot on, be potentially fired. Renner has lowered expectations so far that it takes something wild for him to even be in the discussion of being in trouble. Let that be it's a lesson to all the kids it's listening. If you well, set expectations low enough, you'll always exceed them. I mean, it's because you were a star player, Mike. I hope. It's because everything, because when, okay. you, when you tried, when you tried, <laughs> it was really good. Well, he was also very good at understanding the annual cycle of the PFF mood and mm -hmm. knowing when to when ask to turn for things. It up. Yep. Yeah, when to turn it up and when to ask for things off the back of having turned it up and therefore profit, you know? And when to disappear. I keep exactly. circling back to the betting conversation. I think some people in the chat are talking about it. But what's your opinion of the NFL, specifically like every single show they do now is presented by FanDuel? I think FanDuel is the official sponsor of the NFL. And then you have DraftKings I mean, and all that stuff. We, but like, what's your opinion of no one affiliated with the NFL, even I think NFL Network employees, yeah. can leverage FanDuel at all, independent of sport? Is that not insane? I don't know. Is that they kind have of crazy? to? I mean, they have to separate the two. But you can't even bet on integrity. baseball. But that's but yeah. But where you draw that line, I think, is starting to get really. I think that's awkward. it. I think like, that's weird that you can't even bet on other sports. I think it's yeah, They're purposely being overprotective. Yeah. Of but that. but before too. they had this world where you know you had to be completely distanced, right? You mm -hmm. could never connect. Can the you NFL. play blackjack? <laughs> 
I'm asking. So. I yeah. don't know. I don't yeah. know. You have to. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, Gambling they, of any form. They had this world where everything in had the to facility, be... In the facility. It says farm and NFL facility. facility. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you had to, but everything had to be so separate because you could never, like, potentially connect the NFL to gambling and mm. match fixing and all that kind of stuff. So 100% separate. Now... We're, everything's getting legalized. The you know DraftKings, uh, FanDuel's of the world, they're being opened up as these giant sources of revenue and sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. The NFL's leapt into that, so now it's like, oh crap! Well, like, where do you draw the line? Because yeah. we're in bed with these people for sponsorship and all this kind of stuff, but obviously you can't match fix at the same yeah. time. So somewhere it's got to draw the line. It feels to me that being able to gamble on your phone using a random app on baseball in the facility, I mean, to me, that seems how much, okay. How, how much harder then does it become to regulate that, though? Because then you're just checking whether or not, like, FanDuel's being leveraged. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's, that's, what that's what they're doing. They just don't want people logging yeah, yeah, into yeah, FanDuel yeah. from the yeah. facility. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what they're and, doing. You know, so you, I, I can't remember what we actually did when we did the PFF NFL Daily on the Calvin Ridley thing, and DraftKings was our sponsor. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, go bet on the NFL. Yeah. I can't remember if I actually no, did. No, you did. People remarked on yeah. the segue of. Look, we've been put in tough spots. I'm going to give you five minutes on Calvin Ridley suspension. I'm going to break it up with a nice little uh, mid-roll on uh, DraftKings and, Mm -hmm. you know, go gamble and bet and all that stuff. And we'll we'll circle back and talk Ridley. What's great now, too, is the hottest piece of journalism right now. It's not, is the the Aaron Rodgers trade going to happen? It's none of that. It's what did J-Mo bet on? It's literally what everyone's chasing. I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to find out. I'm sorry. So I know you, you probably have to go work. Are you going to assign somebody? To we're, write that, yeah, we're gonna go find it. We're gonna go find it. We're gonna go hunt that down. Who do you, who do you, who do you get on the on the job there? Who I do you, can't reveal the sources. How do you, how do you do this? It's hard to say. <laughs> How's your job going? How's Bill Simmons? Things are good. Yeah, Bill, Bill and I are good. Uh, had some chats on San Diego State basketball. San Diego State basketball went deep this year, guys. I don't know if you guys know. I did. Go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. I'm sad because UMass Lowell just missed the tournament. Mm. First time in history. They were and done Xavier. Run. That was rooting for Xavier, hometown team over here. But yeah, San Diego State made the move. That was great. It's huge. At that other sport that I don't watch. Hoops. Everybody likes it. People like it. People seem to like it. I have heard that, yeah. What else we got here? Mike did not get fired. Do you want to, any... Um... Closing thoughts, Mike? Yeah, Last parting closing thoughts. Do have run here? Parting thoughts. Parting thoughts. I love PFF. Uh, I want PFF to continue to grow. Uh, I want it to be the leader in the NFL space. Um, I, I've always believed that I just think a better conversation around football smarter fan is the goal always been the goal and i think we've accomplished it and i think we'll continue to i mean it's what like we've I, you know we put everyone put sort of little uh tributes or whatever on twitter when you put your announcement yesterday like just from a personal point of view we'll miss you here like you've been one of the established faces of pff you've carved yourself like multiple unique is he in the little, hall of fame yeah i'm a hall of famer multiple little like uh, is a hall of famer yes am unique, i in the hall of fame uh it's maybe still for debate still okay. maybe it's, uh, it's still TBD. The votes that we're recounting. Right, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, un, it's unsure. It's, uh, we have it's to a, bend the rules for you, Austin. Ambiguous say. status. Um, but, you know, you've been one of the most important people at PFF since you came on board. Like, you've done an awful lot of interesting things. So, we'll miss you collectively. I'll miss you, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, I'm not miss you guys. You. I know. Miss I know the too, office Mike. and you guys, it is It's a lot. It's, it sucks. It does. But excited for whatever comes next. One of the best Mike stories I'll leave with is uh, – when I didn't know anybody here, I moved from California to Cincy. My only friend in the office was like a 44 year old named Jeff Beers who had like, I'd be like, hey, do you want to go grab beer? He's like, did I have kids? Like, <laughs> and um, there was a, Mike and I would start hanging out. And then 
there was someone else. I was another coworker. You know, no one knows who they were, but they were like, hey, like Mike was, well, I was hanging out with Mike and we were talking shit about you. And then Mike was like, no, Austin's cool. And I was like, oh, Mike thinks I'm cool. And then Mike and I always became friends from that. The rest is history. Got to see you guys grow. That was a pretty weak story to end on. Yeah. Well, I, I, the, the I, best ones are in Vegas. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. I would leave, leave one of those. We've seen some of the pictures. No, I want to I back up what Sam said, too. I mean, we've, I've seen you grow since college, Mike. It's been great. Um, you have been a, a key part of the team. Football knowledge and the whole thing, right? In the early days, we're doing all this grading and stuff. Yeah, and you, you had a lot of input into the me. grading process. And so we all taught each other, though, right? Yeah. Like, we all taught each other the process. And then you get to a point like, hey, maybe we should reconsider how we look at these types of plays or whatever it is. All this mm -hmm. nuanced football stuff that was a lot of fun. Um, and then you took over for me on the draft coverage, made it so much better, brought your own little spin to it and everything. And you continued to just, to just grow. And uh, always appreciate your opinion. Always like asking you about players and what you think and just talking ball with you. So all that's, all that's that, great. So that's not going to stop. We're still, yeah, gonna we'll still talk. We'll still, still have fun. Ball. Best of luck. And, uh, you know, go, go hire Mike. Yeah. Go hire Mike. Go hire Mike. Everybody. If you all want once. to. Is, gonna, is it summer of Mike time? If you can. Oh, I'm golfing. I am golfing literally you were later golfing. today. I golfed yesterday. <laughs> you golfed <laughs> Sunday. Liberty <laughs> parents, right? Yeah. Seeing, this golfing. is perfect. It's seeing perfect. Mike Renner in the real world with like actual job responsibilities is going to be fascinating. Because yeah. now you're going to have to set a whole new lower set of expectations again. You've got to start from scratch. That's going to be tough. Gonna be, it's not going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you got to get with the right people in the new gig. Uh, or just immediately start lowering the bar. You know, week one, missing we, deadlines. <clears throat> We also had that time where you were a regular part of the podcast and we had to hide the fact that you were like on assignment for two months while you were filming The Bachelor. Oh yeah, that was fun time. Oh, that's right. Remember two that? Two months, it was, it was three weeks, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it felt like months. <laughs> oh, it was three weeks. Well, you turned, you spun it into a few more weeks than that. You're like, sorry guys. <laughs> I did actually. Still yeah. filming. Down <laughs> off of it. Still filming. Used all of his vacation time well, to go was like film when Rick, I did. I that did, summer so. was electric too. That was like when Rick drove from uh, California to here and took God knows how long. Yeah. Like, Sorry, guys, can't can't learn the so, new system. I'm busy driving over to that's the summer in Cincy. The time Mike came back from the Bachelor was menacing. It was a it was a good time. Were you? Uh, yeah, you were attached to him then. You were. Yeah, we were hanging out. hip to hip, dude. We <laughs> yeah. were hip to hip. <laughs> I was like, you're the guy. You were number thirteen on the Bachelor. Yeah, I said I was Finals. his agent. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> Played smart. You look like it a really worked. Agent. You do. Is that it? I think we're done. That's is it. that it for our show? That's the PFF NFL podcast today. Special thanks to Mike Renner, Austin Gale. Tailgate. For being here. Um, I even forgot to remind everybody that the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern <laughs> Financial Group. This still matters. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Hope you uh, have your retirement all set up and everything, Mike. I need to look into my As you head day. into the real world here. <laughs> I, need, I needed to figure out what to do with that. I don't know how that works. All right, so that's our show for today. We'll be back Monday. Uh, Mock Draft Monday will continue. Um, it might have Chris Collinsworth. Uh, we do have to lock him in Monday or Tuesday, and uh, it's draft week. So it's going to be... Uh, gonna be crazy next week and we'll be doing our draft show you and i sam mm -hmm. without no mike without him next week thursday through saturday so thanks to everybody for tuning in we'll see you again on monday <laughs>